part of why I think Paul is writing this while he's in prison once again, part of why I think he's able to say that in all things he rejoices, in all things Christ is proclaimed, it's because he'd experienced it before. You see, previously in his suffering in prison, when he was in chains, God showed up and did something great. And now as he's once again suffering and in chains, Paul expects God's still going to show up. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay, because faith is not about having it all figured out, and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning. It is so good to be here with each one of you today. And for those of you joining us on live stream, like my kids, uh, it's good to be here with you as well. And I hope that you're treating your mother nicely. There you go. For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Adam, and I'm the pastor here at The Point. And it is my joy to be here with you this morning. This week has been a crazy one, like most of the last year, right? And yet this place, this time together, should be a time of peace. And a time of rest. And a time of knowing whatever happens tomorrow, or maybe even later today, it'll be okay. See, the truth is there are times in our lives when it's hard to see that it will be okay. There are times when we're facing hardships and struggles and pain, and it's really difficult to see what tomorrow might bring, other than more hardships and difficulty and pain. Have you been in a season like that? I have to tell you, I remember a time, uh, almost like it was yesterday, but it was actually back in 2012, A dear friend of mine went to prison. If you've never been to prison, well, me neither. Uh, I don't know what it's like other than his account. And there were times when he told me about prison, and it didn't sound all that bad. And there are other times where he told me about prison, and it really made me cry for the state of our justice system. But, But I remember my friend, when he went to prison in 2012, he went to prison for something he was guilty of. He had gotten drunk at a party, and when you drink too much, you often do things you regret in the morning. And that's what happened to him. And so he pled guilty, and I sat there in the courtroom as the gavel came down with the sentencing, and he was sentenced to seven years in federal prison. The worst part is the party was the night of college graduation. So after all this work, that was what his future held. And the prison he ended up getting sent to was about five hours from where I lived, and so I would regularly go visit him. 
which meant getting up super early in the morning and driving five hours so I could have a three-hour visit and then drive back. About once every other month or so for two and a half years, I visited him. And it was incredible to see what happened to this friend of mine in prison. You see, in prison, he had a whole lot of time on his hands. So he began to dive into the word a lot. And now he was a Christian before he went to prison. But he really began to experience Jesus while he was there. And he would share with me about some of his cellmates or some of the people in these programs like Celebrate Recovery. And he would share about what God was doing in their life. And it was always so encouraging. Ask, well, how about you? You know what? It'll be okay. And I was astounded through this season how he could be filled with such peace while living in such a really terrible place. Experiencing the pain that comes in that terrible place. As a church, we're going to be walking through over the next several weeks the book of Philippians. And in this book, what we're going to read today, Paul recounts being in prison. And I have to say, for all the hardships my buddy faced, it was nothing quite like what Paul experienced. For all the hardships he relayed to me and the things he shared and the way that I weeped, it wasn't anything quite like Paul. You see, Paul was in prison not because he was guilty, but because he angered the wrong people. Not because he had done anything wrong, but because they didn't like the things he said. And Paul was in prison not with a seven-year sentence and the possibility of parole, Paul was in prison with an unknown amount of sentence. You're just simply there until the emperor decides he's ready to give you a trial. And at that point, when you get a trial, you might get off free or you might be put to death. And so in this context, Paul writes to us. Not only this, the prisons he was in we're not prisons like we have today where there's beds and meals and TVs and you get some time in the yard to go and exercise. In fact, the, the worse of a criminal you were, the more danger you were to the empire, the more of a threat that you were, the more under watch you were. So much so that they would actually chain you to other guards or prisoners. Like, it's not just enough to lock you up. We have to lock you up and chain you 24-7 to somebody else. Could you imagine living in that place? The lack of dignity? The pain? Could you imagine if you were Paul being the guy who knows who Jesus is, who's experienced Jesus, you have this understanding of his profound love. And this is where God's left you. So we read today in Philippians. In Philippians chapter 1. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the, all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. 
See, Paul, this isn't his first time in prison. And here in a moment, we're going to look back at one of his first times in prison, what that, that moment when he was thrown in jail and kind of what happened to him. But this is now a second time he's in jail again. And he writes, he says, look, I want you all to know what's happened because of my imprisonment. Because of this place that I'm in that's pretty desolate and painful and, and hard to be, I want you to know what's happened. All of the imperial guard the thousands of people responsible for protecting the emperor, the ones who are almost the highest up in the military, all of them know that I am here because of Christ. And then he says this crazy thing. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. I love what he's writing to the people in Philippi. See, when we face these hardships and these trials, it's really easy to get downtrodden. When we see life seeming to be unfair, injustice coming against us, people seeming to hate us, it's easy to look and say, woe is me. My situation is miserable. Nobody cares. This is wrong. But instead, it says most of the brothers... They see Paul in prison, and they're filled with confidence to stand and speak the very thing that put Paul in prison. That's a pretty incredible statement. As they watch him suffer, they find strength to prepare to suffer themselves. He goes on. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but, to, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. You see, apparently there were a group of people who were going around preaching Jesus to others. And they were doing so in such a way, not because they actually cared, but they thought by preaching Jesus, it will just spite Paul. Paul will be mad that we are telling people about Jesus because that's his job. Paul will be mad that we get to do this freely while he's in prison. And there were some who were emboldened by Paul's imprisonment to speak with wrong motive, trying to hurt him. But this is what Paul says in verse 18. What then, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth... Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. We're going to come back to this here at the end of this morning, but I want us to back up and think about this. What then, but in all things, Christ is proclaimed. I want us to back up and look at when he was first in prison in Philippi, the very place he's now writing to to encourage them. The very people he's now writing to say, I have something to share because I love you. Back up to Acts chapter 16, if you will. You're welcome to follow along in your own Bibles. You're welcome to follow along on your phone if you're somebody who prefers something digital. If you're at home or would prefer, you can get it on thepointknox.com. All this text is there too, so you can read it for yourself and not just trust what I have to say. Acts chapter 16. 
beginning in verse 19. What happens right before this is there's this woman who's demon-possessed, and this possession gives her the opportunity to speak the future, and people are taking advantage of her and exploiting her and making money off of her. So while she is suffering and she's in misery, they make money. Paul gets annoyed and he casts out this demon and he frees this woman. And then in verse 19, But when her owner saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, one of his traveling companions, and they dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. If you were here last week, I mentioned a little bit about what these customs were. You see, Paul, in his preaching Jesus, preached that Jesus was Lord. And not just a Lord, not just a God, but actually the Lord Like the only God. And not only was he the only God, Jesus is the only true and rightful king. You can imagine in an empire where the emperor thinks that he's God and puts people to death for saying otherwise, who thinks he alone has all authority to say and do whatever he pleases, just how dangerous preaching any other God or any other king might be. So these people, they accuse Paul and Silas. Look, don't you know they're preaching that we should do things we shouldn't do, like worship a different God and not worship the emperor? Continues. The crowd joined in attacking them. The magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. I just wonder for a moment what that crowd looked like. Did it look like a mob tearing their clothes off to beat them? Did it look like a riot? Did it look like a bunch of people peacefully saying, this isn't good, put them in prison? My guess is it looked like a very ugly sight. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Bound in chains to the wall in the inner prison, where it was dark and there wasn't a whole lot of light. Where it was probably cold and a good chance it was a little wet. Where it was miserable on every level. For what reason? Because a mob accused them of something. No trial, no jury, no lawyer to defend them. After they had inflicted many blows. If you were Paul or Silas in this moment, what would you do? I've, never, I've been in a few fights. I usually lose them. But I've never been like brutally beaten, inflicted with many blows. But in the few fights that I've been in when I was younger, I didn't like them. I don't understand people who take a beating for fun, like boxing. That's weird to me. Why would you want to get hit in the face and call it a good day? They, they get inflicted with many blows. 
And then they're thrown in this cold, dark, miserable prison. I think our natural response for most of us would be to be really angry. This was wrong. I have my rights. In fact, we'll see here in a little bit, Paul does have rights. Not only was this wrong, this was evil. They should be punished. It's so easy when we suffer injustice to be angry and demand justice for me. To complain and and be bitter, to grumble and moan. And yet this very next verse, it's not what Paul and Silas are doing. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What? Surely God's forgotten them, right? And all of this pain and this suffering, surely God's not present there, is he? They're praying and singing hymns. It says the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. We're free. We can go. God has saved us and rescued us. At least that would have been my response. You see, I don't really like pain. I don't really like suffering. And any chance I can get to leave that pain or suffering, to say that's, that's something else, some other time I can deal with that. Or look, this is God freeing me from that place of hurt. I don't need that. I can move on. I'm pretty quick to run from suffering. The doors open, the chains fall off them in some miraculous earthquake. And the jailer w- wakes up and he, sees, he saw the prison doors were open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. Supposing they had done the very thing I probably would have done. And you as well, if there's any common sense. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? How is it that this jailer, who's responsible for keeping them in custody can see them have this opportunity to leave suffering and remain? And how is it that he can see them in this place and say, what do I need to do to be saved? Clearly something miraculous happened right here. That Paul and Silas and all these prisoners would stay put and not leave. What do I need to do to be saved? You see, for the jailer, he was a doomed dead man because he was personally responsible for all of the prisoners and had any of them escaped, his life would have been taken for their lives. Had any of them left, he would have been the one on the hook. But they're all there. What do I need to do to be saved? A question often asked throughout this book of Acts. Paul answers, 
Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your whole household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. He rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. See, in this account of Paul being in prison, Paul had the opportunity to leave. And for some reason, he chose to stay. After suffering many blows, experiencing great pain, Paul could have spent his night complaining and grumbling, God, where are you? But he's praying and he's singing. See, Paul knew exactly where to find God when he was suffering. Not in our complaints, not in our woes, not in our blaming of other people or in our seeking of justice. Paul knew exactly where to find God when life was not fair and left him in pain. In prayer and in singing. I'm going to do what I always do, even when I'm not in this place, in this season, in this suffering. And God miraculously delivers Paul in such a way that the jailer and the jailer's entire family come to be the very church that he's writing to in Philippi now. So then what happens? See, then he could have just been let go. In fact, this is what happens next. Next, it says this. If I could find it, hold on. Oh, But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police saying, let those men go. Basically, like, we know that we should not have jailed you without a trial of some kind. And we know that we should probably have not inflicted this mob upon you to beat you up. So just let them go. We'll act like none of this happened. And here's where Paul's rights come in. Therefore, come now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. You see, for a Roman citizen to be beaten publicly by a non-Roman citizen, or by anybody for that matter, was punishable by death. For them to be thrown in prison without a trial was punishable by death. Paul says, look, you... You've unjustly, uncondemned, thrown us in prison and beaten us. And now you just want to be let off the hook? Don't you know who we are? And then this last little bit. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. They realized they had done something wrong and were in great danger. Now, As far as we know, none of them are killed for what they did. But Paul, he reiterates this claim later, I'm a Roman citizen, don't you know what that means? Because Paul has a motive that's bigger than just getting out of jail. He's not just trying to escape his suffering and his sorrow. Paul has a motive significantly bigger, an end game that's greater than the sufferings he's facing right now. See, Paul's end game is ultimately that he could proclaim the gospel in Rome. The good news that Jesus is Lord. 
that Jesus is king, that Jesus has come and suffered for us. Paul had hoped to proclaim this in Rome. The only way he would get there is when they actually try him as a Roman citizen. Because by being tried as a Roman citizen, they have to take you to Rome. So Paul, with his end game and his ultimate goal, says, don't you know who I am? I'm a citizen. Because at some point, saying those words when people are beating him, when he's experiencing prison, when he's suffering, at some point, claiming that identity will give him the very opportunity to share the gospel as he hopes. So let's go back to Philippians now. Paul is again now this time in prison in Rome. His very hope has come true. He's there and he's there for the purpose, not of a trial, though that's what the emperor thinks. Not because he finally got his way and gets to do what he wants. No, he's there with a bigger purpose. Verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. See, all of my pain and all of my suffering, there's been a purpose in it. God is doing something good. In fact, the whole imperial guard has heard of this good news that Jesus is king. In verse 18, he ends then, where we're going to end today. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Throughout this letter, Paul's going to write to the Philippians about the reality of suffering in our walk with God. There will come a day when you will suffer because you're Christian. I don't think most of us will be thrown in prison for that reason. This is not me saying that there's this big conspiracy to hate you. No, this is just Jesus' words. Following him is tough, and the world will hate us. There will be days when you speak, or you act, or you live different. The world doesn't understand it. And in our American way of doing things, nothing that Paul does makes any sense. Because our American way tells us that the pursuit of happiness and individual rights is our greatest good. In many cases, our God that we bow down before. If it makes you happy, chase it. If it serves your will, do it. But what Paul writes here to the Philippians as he prepares to tell them about suffering and joy... Paul's mission, Paul's purpose, the reason he gets out of bed in the morning is so that whatever happens, Christ may be proclaimed. And in that he rejoices. I wish I could tell you that 2021 was going to be this marvelous, wonderful, peaceful year, but we've had our seven-day free trial and many of us would like to return it. I wish that I could say, this year, life will not bring you any pain. I can't. 
Now, later in this book, Paul talks about the kind of pain that comes from being hungry or sick or the pain that comes from loved ones dying. Here, he's specifically referring to the pain that comes when you suffer injustice, when your rights are taken away or oppressed, when your will is not the thing that seems to be winning. This is my hope and my prayer for you and me. Can we in all things see Christ proclaimed? Can we see God working through our situation that we can rejoice no matter the pain and the sorrow? And part of why I think Paul is writing this while he's in prison once again, part of why I think he's able to say that in all things he rejoices, in all things Christ is proclaimed, It's because he'd experienced it before. You see, previously in his suffering in prison, when he was in chains, God showed up and did something great. And now as he's once again suffering and in chains, Paul expects God's still going to show up. I don't know what hardships you're facing. I don't know what pain you're going to be in. But I do know this. God has been faithful in the past. He will be faithful in the future. And so in the present, whatever we go through, however tough it may be, we can look to see God in everything. And it's my prayer that you and I would live not so that our agenda or rights, or will, or opinions, or perspectives, or prerogatives, or desires, or anything else would be first. But rather, that whatever this world may throw at us, we can pray, we can sing, we can say, God, may you be proclaimed as good, and loving, and kind, even through this mess. Will you join me in prayer? God, we thank you that through Paul's imprisonment, the whole imperial guard came to know of the good news of who you are. A king who loves, who sacrifices, who suffered for your subjects, your people. And God, I thank you that Paul's suffering gave confidence to the rest of the believers to stand firm, to speak the truth, to share the good news, to rejoice in their suffering. God, may we learn to do the same, to pray and sing when life is tough, when the world is against us and we want to complain. May we instead seek your face and know that you will be proclaimed. And God, may we be people who rejoice in that promise, even as we may lose today. God, we ask that in all things, we would know your presence, experience your love, and walk in your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, 
simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.